Hey guys, I'm Eric McLean. And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC football. Let's go. Monday, everybody, and welcome in to the Gramlich and McLean podcast. Happy National Championship Day to all yes. who celebrate. That's my new favorite thing. I just say to all who celebrate for everything. I feel like every red-blooded American person is going to celebrate that today is the National Championship game between TCU and Georgia. And Can I Mac, ask your thoughts on be... that real quick? Oh, go ahead. Can I ask go your ahead. thoughts on a, mon- on a Monday National Championship? Oh, I hate it. I don't know. I hate it. I think it's been since the playoff, but why? 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 hate it. I get the uh, NFL Why thing. is because... I think Mon- they're not having Monday Night Football, so they're already thinking, if you're ESPN, you're thinking, okay, people are used to tuning from Monday Night Football. We'll maybe get some NFL audience who don't care as much about college football. I think Monday's a really good night for TV in general because people don't do stuff on Monday night generally, so that's what TV's thinking. So I in. despise you it. In. You said you're in. <laughs> I despise it. I think it should be on a Saturday like everything else. You play NFL football on Sunday, most of it, and you play your Super Bowl on Sunday. I think you should do the same for college football. But TV is going to reign supreme. At least it doesn't start. I mean, it starts late, but at least it doesn't start at 930 like the men's basketball championship does on Monday. So that's at least a positive bet. I, you know, I just think it's a little sign of weakness, to be honest. You, you don't think that you can hang on a Saturday night for a national championship. I mean, mm. whatever. I mean, if that's what you want to do. Uh, it should be. Yeah, it should be. It should have been two days ago on Saturday, right? <laughs> I, I hate it. I can't stand it. Anyway, um, pr- proceed. I'm sorry to interrupt. Well, the other thing I was going to say. And this is, I think this national championship is really interesting because for the first time probably since 2015, the game you played in Mac, that Clemson lost, but Clemson was there. And I think that was before people started to get tired of Clemson, dislike Clemson, whatever. The nation, if you weren't a Bama fan, you were probably rooting for Clemson. You wanted to see the underdog win. I think this is the first time since that game where we truly have that. If you're not a Georgia fan, you're probably rooting for TCU. You want to see the underdog win. That's the vibe I get nationally, and that's how I feel. I don't like Georgia. I think most Clemson people don't like Georgia. There's nothing really likable about them. And I'm from Texas. I like TCU. I have some family that's gone to TCU. And I think this would just be so good for the sport to see a team like TCU that doesn't have billions of NIL dollars, that doesn't recruit super well, to win a national title, that that would be really cool. So I'm all in on the horny toads. Go frogs. <laughs> um, you know, I, I'm that's a very interesting you know thought process. I kind of think of it from a college football hierarchy thing too. Mm-hmm. Like if Georgia gets this back to back natty, like that's that's some rare air. Yes. There's only I think four other teams ever in the poll era that mm-hmm. have done that, and so. Hard. so Man, that, that's impressive. To, to, and it's probably arguably harder now uh, that you have to play a game before to get to this right. game. Um, so, man, that puts Georgia, like, up there, up there. And, and so that's a dangerous spot. And, of course, Which we don't like. be in Clemson people, that, that's our recruiting territory, all these different things. If TCU wins it, I don't think anything changes. Uh, it doesn't do anything. It's a blip on the college football historic yeah. time yeah. that has no – importance to next year at all i don't think i don't think it does anything um so it's fascinating to look at this game from a couple of you know different angles uh the the georgia thing is weird for me if you talk to my father-in-law hates georgia can't Mm -hmm. stand them like literally despises them 
I love playing George. I would rather play, this is close your ears, Clemson fans. I would rather play George every year than South Carolina. They're better. I know we just lost. It's hard oh, for me to say Lord. that. They're closer almost. I don't think they're closer. Um, I they just, are closer, I would say. They are closer. There you go. Um, I just love that game. I just love that game. Um, so I, I would love that. And I really like Kirby Smart. I think he is a heck of a coach. I think that he he is the like right now in this world of being this authoritarian, but also kind of having that Dabo-ish stuff mm. in him. He's like dead in the middle to me, it feels like. Um and he plays the game so well. He does the NIL. He does the recruiting. He, he does, does the transfer portal. Like, he's ready for this. And he is Georgia. He went there, played there, did all that stuff. And I know that's really cool. With all that said, I hope TCU wins by a million. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought you were going to say you were fine with Georgia winning. No, no, Good, I Matt. Gosh, I was I a little worried that. about you. <laughs> I also think this would be hilarious if the offseason before Texas and Oklahoma – Announce they're leaving the Big 12. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Texas and Oklahoma are nowhere near the national title. The Big 12 wins a national title yes. with the Frogs. You just, awesome. like, you can't write this. This is college football, and it would, I, I would be happy for the Big 12. Absolutely. And with what they've gone through with Texas and OU, I mean, honestly, for lack of a better term, screwing them over. Sure. It would just be really cool, I think, for be. the Big 12 overall. And from an ACC perspective, the last thing we need is another SEC title. Like, That's right. come on, That's you right. don't need Get that. No, no one wants that. That's right. But you know what people do want, KG? They want socks from our great partner over at Rock'em. That's yes, what they, they do. Yes, they do. Great point, Mac. Rock'emSocks.com, the world's <laughs> largest sock store. Yes, I said the world. They have everything. They have over 10,000 different designs. They've got your favorite pro teams. They've got every single school, every ACC school, TCU, Georgia, if you're one of those fans, playoff <laughs> socks. TCU, if you lose, you could still buy some playoff socks because you made the playoff. So they have everything you could ever need at rock'emsocks.com. Come on, KG, let's go. The Gramlick and McLean listeners, do me a favor right now. If you're tuning in, if you're watching us or listening to us, go over to rock'emsocks.com. Get everything you want. Load it up. Load, Load it, up. it up. And then there's this cool little thing at checkout that's asked for a promo code. Type in GML20. We're going to save you 20%. Really appreciate Rockham for doing this partnership with us. Go get all the socks that you can ever think of. They've got them all. And, you know, maybe it'll be your new lucky game day socks uh, that will project your team to many wins in the future. Perfect. That, that's what these socks, actually, that's a grandma guarantee. If you buy socks from your team, they will win. They will make the playoff next year. That's a wow. guarantee. There you go. You're welcome. Mac, you had to do this interview solo just because you're the best, but I was busy with basketball stuff. I couldn't get away, but I'm so glad you did because I know you and Cole Kubelik were able to just nerd out about offensive line stuff. Yes. Oh yes. my goodness. Let me so tell you. I know you enjoyed this interview. Uh, when, when two offensive linemen get in the same room, scary things can happen. Not only can I we wasn't solve even a invited, of, honestly. <laughs> not only can we solve a bunch of world problems, but we'll also talk a little football too. So it was impressive. Uh, two bald guys. I think that's the first time. I'll have to go back and check. Two bald guys on the team. Maybe. I'll do some fact checking. There's got to be a coach that's bald, right? Maybe. We'll look. We'll look we got good heads of hair in the ACC. <laughs> that, that is just a fact. Um, but it was super fun. Really appreciate it for Cole's time. His insight obviously covers the SEC uh, better than, than anybody and, and does it all year long. But also outside of the college football landscape. This dude's all over the place. Really fun to sit down with him and, and talk this national championship. I think you're going to like his thoughts. Let's get right to it.
Cole Kublik, man, thank you so much for joining us today. Partner is busy. Listen, I, I just got done with football season. Uh, Kelly Gramlich now in the middle of her basketball season. So she's doing much more important things. But I appreciate you making some time and, and joining us today. Absolutely. Eric, I appreciate you having me. Uh, not going to be as much fun with just you, but I'm sure we'll figure it out. A couple offensive linemen talking football. I mean, that's boring. Nobody nobody wants to hear that. But the stage is set, and uh, we've got a national championship. And I think one uh, in the Georgia Bulldogs, uh, a lot of people expected them to be here. I mean, I remember seeing yeah. them week one obliterating Oregon. I'm just like, okay, well, this is easy. The, the season's over. Uh, you know, And then they stumble a little bit, a couple of games, but ultimately looked great all season long. And then you have a team who I don't think a lot of people at all expected to be here. Unranked going into the season. First-year head coach, you got a quarterback who gets injured. Now there's some you know, guy named Max Duggan coming in that no one knows who he is in TCU. But let's just start on the Georgia side uh, because, again, I mentioned all those great things that they've done, blowing people out. Um, what, what did you see from them all year long that you just knew, okay, that this is, this is happening, it's inevitable? Yeah, I think the, there's two things. And there's a, there are a lot of things about this Georgia team that aren't as much as last year's were. And Tom and Jordan and I, my television crew, we had their spring game going into the national championship season. And I remember walking away from that game thinking, first off, I was really impressed with JT Daniels. And I know that hasn't worked out, but I kind of thought, wow, if this kid is what he is, you know, giving us the perception that he is, they're going to take a step. And then two, the other thing that I came away from is physically, this team is going to be so imposing in so many different areas that I just don't know who matches up with them. And they were even, they're a little more so last year than this year. Darnell Washington was there. It was my first real look at him. And I remember when we sat down with Kirby going in, I was like, Kirby, I love this freshman tight end. Like he at least tries to block, like he'll give you the effort. I was like, and he goes like, no, he's willing. He takes it serious. He, he likes that, which we just don't see a ton of that, especially with younger tight ends. And I was like, what is this? Is he really like 270? And he's, he, Kirby's kind of sits back and laughs. He goes like, Cole, he's 285. <laughs> and I was just like, I'm sorry, what? And then you see him in person, and it's like he's got, he's got a linebacker waist. He's got left tackle shoulders and yeah. like defensive end ankles. And you're just like, nah, that can't be real. Uh, and then you see him hurdle people and get out on screens. Then they, I mean, at that point, they had Adam Anderson playing star. He was 6'5", 245. I'm like, and I remember walking up to Muschamp. I'm like, y'all, y'all ain't playing that kid at star. And he's like, Cole, he can run. And like, he'll, he'll do it. Then you see Jordan Davis and Devonta Wyatt. Uh, then you see Amarius Mims, who it, I mean, when God made offensive tackles, like <laughs> Amarius Mims is the one that you look at and say, like, fingertips past the kneecaps, yeah. little bitty waist, giant rear end, like, you know, can pull the shirt up under his pads and not be embarrassingly fat like you and I would be. Uh, you're just like, wow. So I just thought physically, who's going to be able to manage this? And I think they still have a lot of that. The offensive line, big, physical. Obviously, Jalen Carter in the middle of that defense, big, physical. They can go multiple tight ends, and Washington's a mismatch for anybody. Bowers becomes that a little bit because they play him as kind of a running back receiver as, you know, in somewhat of a tight end body. So I still think they bring a lot of that to the table. And then now you add to the mix a quarterback that can do it all. And what I think is different about Georgia this year as opposed to the last few years and talking to Munkin in that spring game, he, he reiterated time and time again, explosive plays, explosive plays, explosive plays. They were just doing everything they could to become more explosive. Now I think the tough part with this offense is, Eric, they give you everything. I, I mean, they, they run inside zone, outside zone, split zone. They run counter. They run power. They run duo. 
then you get to the screen game, traditional running back screens, wide receiver screens, in the slot, out wide. They have all these tight ends they can line up in different places. So here come the formations that they can overwhelm you with. Then you go to the protection piece of it, extra tight ends to help in protection. The backs are big and physical. They can help. Uh, and then you have a quarterback that can manage all that, who, by the way, you can add a quarterback run with. Sure. And he has escape ability. Yeah. And he does a good job keeping his eyes down the field and scramble drill. And you got to find ways to defend that. You have to defend almost everything. Oh, and they can up the tempo a little bit when they want to as well. So physically, they can overwhelm you. And then they have everything in the book that you have to defend, and they can do it different ways. I think the Ohio State game was a perfect example. First 12 plays, shotgun. And then what happens a little bit later, you see underneath and a a duo to the left side goes for like 60-something yards. Then they hit an inside zone to the other side. That goes out because they force Ohio State to get a little bit light in the box. They just – there's nothing they're bad at offensively, nothing. And now the receiver room is as healthy as it's ever been. And it just makes it tough to deal with. And then obviously on defense, guys who can run, guys who can physically outmatch you, and they play a, a tough scheme, a scheme yeah. that's, that's difficult to manage. They've, they've had some letdowns in the back end the last two games, but you throw all that together with elite talent, and it's just a lot to deal with. It, it is. I mean, and that's what, that's what we saw all year long. And, and a lot of different points there, we're going to kind of ping pong back and forth between you know, TCU and Georgia and, and kind of dive into each of those kind of position groups that you mentioned there. Uh, but a, a lot to like about Georgia. And, and I thought it was weird when they were, I don't know if exposed or had an off day is probably the better way to do it. I mean, a, against a, a Kent State team, against Missouri, and then maybe a little letdown with you know Kentucky. But other than that, man, just the standard that they played at all yeah. year long for the last two years, and, and maybe even three, if you look at you know that COVID year as well, it's been super impressive. And I'm going to ask you about Kirby and kind of where he ends up in all of this at the very end. But let's move over to TCU for a second. Now, they're okay. the, the Horn Frogs. But their mascot's a horned lizard. I, I got to know your thoughts on that because it's a little bit, you know, they're lying to people a little bit. A little bit. And then you get this whole hypnotoad craze. Right. Where which, did that come from? Well, I was out there in Arizona and then and that thing shows up on the big screen and like, you know, Taylor Luan's losing his mind. He's like, why is that toad staring at me? And why is it, you know, like tie dye? I don't, I don't, I mean, it's just, I think they're just kind of trying to deflect attention from a lot of things, like to make you pay attention <laughs> to the fact that this is a first-year coach. This is a quarterback that wasn't the original starter. Yeah. This is TCU, and they're not supposed to be here. And now they start paying attention to all that stuff. It's just another way to have fun. That's right. And that's what I think is a, is a big reason for why they're here, is you watch – because a lot of these guys on defense, it's the same cast of characters that were there last year. Yeah. And it's not just that the scheme is different. It's the way they play is different. I mean, they – haul ass everywhere like i mean no regard for their body like 190 pounds doesn't matter come take on a guard like 200 pounds that's fine like fly downfield get north and south i just think a lot of that is sort of the personality of this team is like we're different we're weird we're not supposed to be this so who cares like we'll figure it out one way or the other obviously quarterback same way he's not afraid to take a hit he's not afraid to try to run somebody over um, so that's just, I, I think it's kind of their personality is yeah. like a lot of this doesn't make sense, but it's really good when you actually dive into it. <laughs> and it keeps happening and, you know, kind of, you know, similar to, to Georgia, but just exacerbated a bit. I mean, they're, they're like a cat with nine lives. I mean, it's, yeah. there were four or five games, maybe even more than that. that they should have lost, but they found ways to win. And, and one of the more impressive ones, that Baylor game where they're operating at such a high level, get that special teams unit on, kick that field goal. Uh, the, the Michigan game, I mean, everything that we had heard all week long is Michigan is going to physically dominate these guys. They're going to blow over them. The Big 12 doesn't have anything like this. 
And what did we see? We saw TCU, you know, flex their muscles and really play well. Yeah, I raised my hand because I was one of the guys saying oh, that. You're... Um, I, I, I was wrong. I, mean, I, thought... I wasn't on any platform to go out and say that, but I certainly thought. I thought Michigan might be the best team in this playoff, and joke's on me. Oh, I was – I was. if you go watch rewatch that megacast with AQ Shipley and RG3 and Taylor One, I was pissed. I was like, run inside zone a hundred times. Right. What are we doing? Right. Like, what, what is happening here? Run yeah. – if, if that doesn't work, run duo 80 times. Right. And then figure it out after that. Quit running reverses and flea flick. I mean, what, right. what is happening? What are you doing? Um, but Let's I'm not sure. That w- I mean, they bolo them for 50 yards. I mean, inside yep. zone. See little, you later. Yeah, a little, like a little lead play. Yeah. And a little insert with that fullback, H-back, and that was out the gate. So I I don't know if it would have just worked, but by God, that's what I wanted to, to right. do, attempt to work. Right. And I made it pretty clear on the broadcast. <laughs> I didn't like it. Um, they are um, – it's, it's wild, man. I mean, they – you you know like I do that defense is just a bear and I'm not talking about the personnel they have or the actual players they have I'm talking about the structure of it. Yeah. Uh, Mississippi State ran it when I was in school. Jolie Dunn ran it, and it is designed to make you wrong, and it makes you wrong a lot. Yeah. Um, and then on the flip side of that, I think they have a coach that's just really cool, really laid back. Players love him; he's relatable. And they have a system that's fun. Like the receivers love it. The backs love it. And they just, they find a way to flourish. The cool part about everything that you just said too, like how many games they were out. Think, go back to like the second and third ranking shows. I think I brought this up a lot during the season. Like the committee was trying to exit them out as well. Cause all the discussion was, well, they've had to come back from behind and well, well, they just can't hold on to a lead. And as well, they have game control. They're not, they have, you know, they, they trail by 14 in the second half. And I remember thinking, who cares? They're, they're winning games. Like, I, yeah. actually, that shows me a little more about your team, that sure. things aren't just comfortable. Right. Uh, so I felt like the committee was actually trying to brush them aside early on as well. And so they, they overcame that at the same time. Yeah, which we, we know, man. It's, it's something where if you get some type of stigma in that committee's brain or in these voters' brain, it, it's yep. tough to get out of because that's just who you are. Uh, this year, I think a little bit of benefit of doubt, especially not winning the Big 12. I mean, a lot of – a lot of losses that happened everywhere else that maybe helped Ohio State and TCU get into their position. You said something that was really interesting that I'm going to segue here quickly for a second, just because you, you've done so many games, you've been around this sport for so long, and obviously being an offensive lineman, we're some of the smartest people on the field. You said there, Michigan should have just ran the football straight down their throat a hundred times. If if we know that, certainly these coaches who are being paid millions and millions of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars to do that, know that. Why do you think that happens sometimes where people almost feel like they have to trick their way into a game when it's obvious? I mean, you're, you're the best offensive line in college football. You have a great running back. You have great scheme. Why not just do what you do? Why, why do people get into that instance where they feel like they have to trick their way to a win? I go back to my favorite quote as it pertains to football of any coach, any player ever, Ben Leard, my quarterback at Auburn from Hartwell, Georgia. Uh, we used to, He used to always say, whether it's in practice, in games, he'd be – He's like, God, football ain't hard. That's what he would say. Football ain't hard. And you, you sit back and you think about it, and you have that realization of he's right. Yeah. It's not hard. It's about making it look hard, and it's about making it look difficult. Um, and, you know, it's some of these teams that run the same play. Uh, I had Washington in the Alamo Bowl. And one of the things that Coach Grubb's great at is they will run inside zone 20 times in a game and it doesn't look the same two times whether they got a a tight end coming flat across in split zone or they run out of different formation 
or they got a receiver coming in motion, or they motion a back out of the backfield. Then they run it. Like, it never looks the same, but it's the same play over and over and over. And I just think, think about how many hours go into this. Right. These coaches are up there. They don't go home until midnight. They get up there at 4 in the morning. They're grinding on tape. All they're doing is sitting there thinking, how can we do this? How can we do this? What's another way we can do this? It's, I think it's plain and simple. It's just out thinking yourself. That's all it is. And I had some confirmation from that side. I'm not going to go into detail sure. of who or what they said, but I had some pretty solid confirmation that that's what Michigan was going to do, wow. that it was going to be go between the tackles, that some of the heavier sets, their rhino and their mammoth package yeah. with an extra offensive lineman and two extra offensive linemen were going to be used early on. And then you just don't see it. I mean, I can tell you, I remember in the Iron Bowl, uh, it was the last Iron Bowl played at Legion Field. Jimbo Fisher was our offense coordinator, and Terry Bowden had been fired. So Jimbo took over play calling. And this was 1998. And Alabama's defense, they were walking their linebackers up in the A-gaps. Mm-hmm. And so, and when they didn't walk them up, on the snap of the football, they were flashing to the line of scrimmage. <laughs> and so they were making any kind of a double team. We were an ISO team back then, yeah. so you worked backwards a little bit. And so any kind of a double team coming off combo block was tough because as soon as you get engaged, there's that linebacker right there. So it really stymied the run game. And so we go into halftime, and I remember I, I didn't do this very often. I went and found Jimbo because this is my first year starting. I said, Coach, 44 and 43 were our isolation plays. I said, we've got to run 344 and 343. That was our play action off that. I said, the linebackers are sucking up to the line of scrimmage right away. Like they're flashing down immediately. They're playing fast downhill. I said, we, the middle of the field's wide ass open. Right. And he looked at me and he said, All right, first play out the gate. 344. <laughs> first. Here we that go. That voice is perfect, by the way. <laughs> so we come out. Gabe Gross was our quarterback, who's now third base coach for Auburn's baseball team. And we come out 343. I was like, Oh my God, he listened to me. Like, was, <laughs> I never thought it would have happened. <laughs> and he comes out 343, boom, tight end, a little right over the little crosser, middle yep. of the field. And here we go. It's like an 18 yard gain. I was like, we are rolling. We're gonna, and I think we were actually up at the half. I was like, we're gonna win this game, and we were like three and seven, and we didn't run it again. <laughs> he did it, so you'd shut up, and that was it. But I mean, wow. I think one coaches, and you know this, like people talk about coaches being arrogant, confident, whatever. Like, sure, they wouldn't be coaches if they weren't that. Sure, because if they didn't believe what they did worked, right, it would, it would never work, right. So there's a level of that inside of them and their brains that say my way worked because I wouldn't be where I am. And this would have never been successful before. So that's how we're going to do it. And then number two, I also think that they, there's so much going on that it's easy to convince yourself that this is how it's going to have to work. And I don't know if Michigan got a look. I don't know if like a couple of things didn't work right away and they got scared. They got timid. They panicked, whatever it was. It it wasn't what it needed to be. Mm -hmm. Because the, I think even though if it didn't work, slowing that game down would have been very beneficial for them exactly. early on. Like exactly. let's just let's like just chill. Yeah. yeah. If we and if we if we just ram this clock down to zero, fine. Mm-hmm. And you know it's ten to three. Good. Even if we're down, fine. Because uh, those were the two best second half teams in the country, I believe. Right. So I don't know, man. I don't know how that happens. What happens? But somebody's got to be able to say, it's like I tell every, every coach that I meet assistant that that's going to get a job or getting a head job. The first thing I ask them is who's your FU coach. Yeah. 
And they all they're like, what are you what are you what's an, what are you talking about? F U coach. I was like, who's the guy that's gonna come to you in the middle of a game and say, Hey, F you, don't do that anymore. Right. Or we gotta start doing this. Yeah. Or when you're going in your press conferences saying stupid things, you can say, Hey coach, F you, stop saying that. Like we've gotta stop. Somebody who has a program's best interest in mind that you trust and you'll listen to that can right. say, Hey, wake up. No more of that. Yeah. Stop. And there are so many coaches in so many leagues that would still have their jobs if they had that guy. They need the F U coach. They could either say, stop saying that, stop running that, right. or stop playing that guy, what, or all of the above sometimes. And they just they can't find a way to do it. I understand. I understand. Well, let's let's reel this back in. That, that was awesome. And I appreciate that that kind of uh, exit there as we, we discuss something very important, because I see it too much, and it just drives me crazy. Um, we, we chatted a little bit about these quarterbacks, and, and I want to dive in a little bit deeper and get your you know kind of thoughts on, on each of these guys. You have you know, two of the most unlikely guys who have led their team now Stetson back-to-back uh at Max wasn't even in the game you know to start this season and you know being a former walk-on just always delivers in Stetson Bennett and, and now a Heisman finalist potentially a two-time national champion and then like I said Max a guy that man before the season wasn't even going to be the guy and and maybe was going to get in the portal but said no I'm gonna stay and be the best backup I possibly can thrusted into action ends up in New York uh so just w- w- what you've seen from those two guys over these past couple of seasons and, and how they got to this point? I think it was the 2019 season. We had Georgia, Missouri, and we sat down with Stetson. I know it was like the second or third game he was starting. It may have been a different game. We had him, and, and he sits down with our TV crew going into the game, and I just couldn't believe some of the stuff he was saying. Like He was telling us his story and what he was doing and how he felt about things, chip on his shoulder, and, and how would you not? Um, whether it's been JT Daniels, Jamie Newman, uh, Brock Vandegrift, all these other five stars that they've brought in, you know, Jake Fromm early on, like no one's ever given him a chance right. to think that he was going to be the guy. I mean, think about it. You heard it. You work in the media. You heard it just like I do. They win that national championship last year. And um, uh, the next day, Twitter is flooded with which five star is going to be the quarterback next year. Right. I'm like, well, uh, how about the three star that just won a national title? Because right. uh, there's, there's, uh, there's, I'll tell you how many other guys in college football there are that have done that. None. Yeah. Absolutely zero. Uh, so I'll t- I would take that one, but everybody else, oh, this kid coming in or that kid might transfer. We're going to go get that guy. Try to get Caleb Williams. I mean, I'd, so all of them have come in and I mean, think about it. Who's the kid that has ever left his school and gone to junior college and that same school is begging for that kid to come back? Right. Nuts. That's never happened Nuts. in the history of football ever. <laughs> and so uh, especially the one that like they didn't really want. And that's right. why he went to Juco. So I just think it's an awesome story. And some people get bothered by the way that he acts or what he said. I, I just you have to have a little bit of an understanding of what he's been through. Mm-hmm. Um, I just went and found this. I tweeted it out earlier today. Five postseason starts. He's 4-1, 67%, 309 yards per game, 15 touchdowns, three picks. It's amazing. It's pretty good. And it's pretty good. he has full command of this offense now. Yeah. And he's got – it's what I, what I think is because there are things about him that are – not prototypical or not what we want or look for. Like he's not, he doesn't have Anthony Richardson's size or Joe Milton's arm or, you know, pick anybody else that you want. You know, wasn't rated like Cade Klubnick coming out of high school. Okay. He doesn't have any of those things. We, we, we sort of disengage from the things that he does have. And we completely overlook the things he does have. He's got great touch on the deep ball. He throws a really nice deep ball. He can put plenty of velocity on any throw. Right. 
and he's got good touch on on say screen passes and you know touch passes he can do he's fine he's got good escapability good mobility like he's faster in straight line than people give him credit yeah, for no he's pretty damn tough too like he's taking some big hits and he pops right back up and so now he knows how to run the offense and because he has so many different things that they can do i think it makes him that much more effective now the only thing that i have seen from him that is a little bit worrisome there was a point in the middle of the year probably around the Florida game where I don't know the exact term to describe it. I've used board and honestly, Eric, he looked bored at times because they weren't going to lose. These teams had no, they weren't competing. And that includes Tennessee. There were good teams that they played in the middle of the season. Kentucky was one of them. And I just think there were times that he went out there and said, God, I just want to throw the ball. (laughs) I just, I just want to complete a fun pass. And there were a few that bounced right off the breastplate or face mask of defensive players that weren't intercepted. And if you really watched it, you kind of said, Ugh. <laughs> like this is kind of high risk, sure. even though it hasn't really blown up in his face. As long as he avoids that, Georgia wins a national championship. Right. Um, if there's a point in time in this game, whether TCU is moving up and down the field or he, he's trying to come up, let's just say there are two great plays that end up in interceptions. There's a scoop and score fumble, whatever. And he thinks he has to, you know, over overcompensate for that could get in a little bit of trouble maybe but there's just there are a lot of positives in what he does how he handles himself i think his little attitude that he's got some people don't like i think his teammates love it i mean i think they feed off that you've had guys like that that you played with that you're just like heck yeah like this guy's gonna get us going (laughs) that's right like i love it so i mean i just think he's i think he's tough i think he relates to his players i think he he's a winner he's won He's proven that, and he's played well in the biggest games. Right. As long as he stays, always I, I don't always, want to say, always. I don't want to say low risk because that would mean that he's not attempting to hit some big plays down the field. But as long as he plays intelligent football, right, and you know, takes calculated risks, Georgia will win a national title. Yeah. Um, on the flip side of that, I mean, Max is that dude that when we were in like seventh or eighth grade before we really started playing organized football that you picked first every time. You just wanted him on your team. He reminds me of the kid that, you know, is like, well, you know, I've never really played lacrosse, but I'll give it a shot. And then all of a sudden he goes out there and he's like, like working the stick and like scoring goals. Just like, what? I like, oh yeah, let's, um, let's, let's wrestle today. And like, he's got the single leg takedown and we can't pin him. And you're I thought this kid's never done this. Like he's hitting three pointers and pick up basketball. He just reminds me of that guy. Like he's like the ball player that just, He's not afraid to try to run somebody over. Yeah. He's confident that he can make the throws. He's got good mobility. He understands the system. He just, he excels in everything he's asked to do. And if he does make a bad play, it never seems to phase him. Mm-hmm. And like you go watch that can the second Kansas State game. And that is a guy who is trying to say, hey, I'll do it. Just let me have it. Like shortstop on the baseball team, point guard on the basketball team, quarterback on the football team. Like that's the guy. Yeah that you take out on the weekend that's never played golf and he shoots like an 86. And you're like, what? Like, how are you? He's hitting in the fairway every time. Right. Like this, this is not right. Yeah. And so you throw, you, you put that together with some elite toughness and an understanding and playing within the scheme. And he's got some good players around him. He's got some guys that can play. I mean, he's, he's got some dudes at receiver. Uh, I don't know if Kendra is going to play at running back. And yeah, you know, I, I think they got another good one, even if he doesn't play. So He's um he's a gamer, man, like the ultimate gamer, but has legitimate skill to go along with it. Sure. And, and I think, you know, he 
he's coming off his worst game, and I think he's going to want to bounce back in a big way. I think that you know we really see him channel that you know Big Twelve max that just in that game just took over. I mean, he he looked like the best player on any field with the things that he was, or the most important player on any field. And and I'm excited to see those two guys who just undervalued, underappreciated yep. most of their career now on the biggest stage. Stetson doing it twice. Let's jump into a couple of, of individual matchups here because I, I cannot wait to see this Georgia offensive line go against that pass rush that you mentioned from TCU and just the how to target it. They're, they're being exotic. They're doing different things with with Horton, big number 98 at defensive end. Winners, I mean, was playing like a man possessed. Oh, in the God, playoff. he's out of control. Uh, so, so I guess, number one, if you're an offensive line, how do you uh, attack that? Because it, it's interesting targeting. And then number two, uh, do, do you do anything differently if you're Georgia? I, I just think that uh, my approach in this game, if I was Coach Munkin and Stacey Searles, I, I, would, I would find the things that my group excels at, is best at. I would make them think as little as possible, and that's the plan that I would take into it. Um, so if that meant that, okay, we think we're going to be most successful manning our protection up, and our center says, okay, you know, six is the point linebacker, so the right guard and I have 52 to six, and you guys work it out from there, and we'll take, you know, the next guys on the wing, our tackles are going to have them, right guard's working with me, left guard has the next backer, and that's it. You handle everything else. Or if that means sliding the protection, whatever they think they're most confident in and is going to make them think the late, the least is what I would take into this game. That's why I think the zone stuff, you've got to have it going. We can talk about the run game in a minute because I have some thoughts on on why I think it's so difficult to run the ball on them. But from a protection standpoint, it's you have to solidify it and then just let it go. Right. Because it's like we talked about earlier, they make you wrong yes. in so many different ways yes. because you never know with that three-man front, are they going to add front side? Are they going to add backside? Are they going to add with another end? Are they going to add with a backer? Are they going to add with a rover? Like it's and so when you I think when you start thinking about it and you get stuck in your no, 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 this is our backer. We have to change it because he walked over there. No, if you just say, no, no, us two have these two, you two have those two. And the back has him, and quarterback figures out everything that's else. Yeah. You you got to make it go like that, and sometimes that's harder, as you know. Man to man's harder blocks. It sure. just is. Sure. But you got to say, suck it up, Buttercup. It's a national <laughs> championship game. Like you block him, yeah. and that's just what it's going to be. Yeah. Um, so, it, and if it means keeping a back end more often, keep a back end more often. Right. Um, so, I, I I think that I don't think TCU has a lot of big advantages in a pass rush situation. I, I think they have more advantages against the run in this game. Uh, but it's if they do get home, it's going to have to be pressures. Right. Um, I agree with you. I think Horton's their best pass rusher. But I feel pretty confident the guys he's going to be working against are going to be able to manage it. Now, where where that gets in trouble is, again, if you start overthinking and the right guard and the right tackle are working against a four-eye, which is like inside shade of the tackle, and the guard leaves, and the tackle is just kind of trying to help, and all of a sudden there's some run-through, yeah. like now you're in trouble. Right. So that's that's where they really get you. Well, how, so, so how about this? How about how about you go into TCU's defensive line or D coordinator? I mean, okay, you probably also see that on film. Hey, these guys, if we if we're one on one, they're going to beat us. So what what would you do? I guess with Horton, are you moving him around? Are you stunning him? Are you you know trying to get a linebacker on one of those tackles and, and loop around? Yeah, you're gonna. I'm gonna move. I'm gonna move a lot, and uh, I'm gonna have. I'm I'm gonna add guys from different places, and and I'm gonna play a lot of gaps. So 
I'm going to have guys lined up in the A gaps, the B gaps. I'm going to have my, I'm going to have my nose guard, uh, demonic Williams lined up in a zero nose where he can shoot either a gap. So I want my center thinking, okay, I'm, I need help, but I don't know where I need help. All right. So we'll make you get help from both sides. And that's going to, that's going to ISO our tackles with our defensive ends. And if we add somebody else, hopefully the guards trying to go down and help with the nose, he goes the other way that gives us a run through. So the run through in the run game is what I'd be really concerned about, but I think you just add it from different places. And here's the cool part about Gillespie. But first off, this guy was coaching high school football in 2014. Like he was a head coach in Stephenville High School. He was Jared Stidham's head coach who just made his first start for the Raiders. Um, like you know, I talked to Jared about him. He said he's one of my favorite human beings on earth, like just an awesome guy. And thankfully, I had that Stidham stuff to throw on him right before the game, or else I don't think he would have told me anything. Because <laughs> he kind of looked at me like, who in the sure. hell is this guy coming up trying to talk to me before the game? And I asked him, I, sa- I said, okay, I've listened to you. I've read all your press conferences for this week. I've listened to you. And there's nothing about adding an extra big against this running game. And he's like, yeah. no. I said, so you're, not, you're not getting any bigger. He's like, we are what we are. We're going to wow. do what we do. He said, you know, if they start, if something starts happening, maybe I adjust then. But he's like, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. There's no big adjustment that we have wow. going into this game. I did not believe him <laughs> still then. And yeah. they didn't. And they had yeah. success. I talked to two other Big 12 offensive line coaches that played against it during the week, and they thought exactly what I thought, that if Michigan ran inside zone and ISO, there's nothing they'd be able to do about it, and it, it just it yeah. didn't work. So from a protection standpoint, I try to confuse. I try to make them wrong. I, try to, I, I, think, I think what TCU can do is force Georgia to use extra bodies right. in protection and waste right. those bodies. So only rush three or four, keep six or seven in, because one thing I will tell you, Eric, these dudes yeah. can cover, man. They play cover zero, and they play yeah, man they a lot. The now, they don't show right. cover zero like a lot of teams do, but they, like, I mean, Hodges Tomlinson, he can cover Newton. They can yeah. cover. And so they have a lot of guys who can cover. And so I think that's what they like to do is make you think it's going to come from different directions. You keep a guy in, then you waste them. They have guys who sure. can cover, and then they just have these tweeners. Where, okay, we might green dog and come a little bit late. We might just stay back and help. And then you have like man zone that's going to be really tough right. to throw into. So they're a defense that makes you think. And the more they make you think, the least effective you're going to be. Right. No, no question, man. I, I can't wait to see it just because, you know, it, it literally can come from all different angles and, and different looking guys and, and positions. And, you know, I, I think Georgia's offensive line, one of the best in the country. And, and how do they handle Absolutely. that with all those? You know, protections and adding guys like you said they've done all year. It's gonna be it's gonna be a fun chess match to see. Uh, before I get you out and get a score, g- give me one more. I guess skill player matchup. Is it you know Ringo and Johnson? Is is it Bowers and and the safety Bud Clark? You mentioned you know Hodgins Tomlinson and maybe Arian Smith. Yeah. I mean coming back. What's one that man you're just you're locked in on? Well, if I'm if I'm Georgia. And I mean, I think Bowers is almost a mismatch on anybody, but I, I try to get him on Johnny Hodges. Johnny Hodges is an amazing story, by the way. If you don't know, 57 for TCU. Kid was a, he didn't get a, I don't believe he got a football scholarship offer out of high school. He takes a lacrosse scholarship lacrosse, to Navy. Yeah, Navy. yeah. And then in COVID, the lacrosse season gets canceled. So he's like, well, I'm going to go play football. He was all met, which if you don't know what all met is, I didn't either. Um, it's like DC, Maryland, Virginia. And so like you and I were like all region probably or whatever, like all med is like all of that. Bad so he's a, in, I think football, basketball and lacrosse, he's a great high school athlete. 
he goes and walks on the football team at Navy, his two best games, Tulsa, SMU. Gillespie was a D coordinator at Tulsa. Sonny Dykes was a head coach at SMU. So they bring him in, and now he's one of their leading tacklers and just like a mainstay of what they do. But I would try to get him matched up on Bowers because I I think that's where George could have a lot of success. On the other side, it's like you said, just get Quentin Johnson manned up. Anybody who, any receiver who has the ability to catch the ball down the field, who tells me that they model that part of their game after Akeem Olajuwon, I'm all for it. Like, first off, how does a 19-year-old know who Akeem Olajuwon is? I know he's from Houston, but second off, like, understanding how to maneuver the post like that is a big guy, you're going to win a lot. And so, I don't care who it is on Georgia's defense, if they're manned up with that dude, and they're going to, TCU is going to hit some big plays. Yeah. Um, and that doesn't even mean throwing it 50 yards down the field. You saw him a little crosser. Yeah, go. Max stuck in there. He waited on the pressure, changed his arm angle, comes across, boom, and there it goes. Now seven, Jordan Hudson, the freshman, had a big block down the field on that play. But I, I it's got to be Quinn Johnson, man. I think yeah. he's got to have a big game, and that will be the one that I'm watching. And then two, just, you know, Mercado against those linebackers, if he's the guy tailback and you're not getting your main guy in there right. and Kendra Miller can't go, I just – he had a big game last week. Um, I want to see if he can have another big game against this defense. Yeah, yeah. just based on what Ringo did, you know, in the playoff, I've got to think he's going with Johnson everywhere he goes. And, you know, just trying to be that matchup and something that's going to be fun to see. But there's a bunch of them. I mean, we, we rattled yes. off, you know, five or six there that I can't wait. So you, you alluded to it. You, 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 you uh, didn't bury the lead. You told us Georgia. Um, so give me a score. How, how confident are you? Give, give me something of, of what you think these dogs are going to do for back-to-back titles i think it's a little lower than it was last week um i'm, I'm gonna say like 31 28 i think georgia gets the win i, I do think that tcu's defense gives them some headaches mm-hmm. at, at different points in time during the game causes some problems but go back and look at munkin last week against ohio state like i said first 12 plays gun pitching it around force you to be a little bit looser in the box yeah. and then it's like okay now we're gonna bludgeon you right um, I do think Darnell Washington's status is big yes, because he just adds a totally different dimension on screens in the run game, catching the football. Nobody's going to match up with him. So I, I think if he's not available, which it was weird, he kind of got stepped on from behind. Yeah. And I don't think it's an ankle. I think it's more of like a contusion deal. So it could be just a pain threshold. If he plays in as close to what he has been, that's big yeah. for Georgia for a lot of different reasons. Um, and I think TCU gets theirs. Like it's They might not go up and down the field like they did against Michigan, but they will – they will get theirs. I mean, you mentioned it. Quinn Johnson, I think quarterback runs are going to go. They're going to force Georgia to defend that. So you'll see some design cue runs early just to basically say, all right, if you're going to try to play four or five in the box, like we're going to add a blocker and we should be able to get yards. And I, I, I think the Georgia defenders have a better chance of winning some one-on-ones up front than they did against Ohio State. Not that Ohio State's guys are that much better. They're a bigger at tackle. It gives you a little bit bigger hump to run around. I think that was an advantage for C.J. Stroud. I don't know if Mac's going to have that same advantage yeah. in this game. I like that. Uh, those are all very valid points. Um, so with that, Georgia, back-to-back national champions, what, where does this put Kirby Smart, and, or Kirby Smart in the hierarchy of college football? Back-to-back, there's only been four teams do it in the common poll era with Notre Dame, Oklahoma, Nebraska, and uh, Alabama, man. So, so where does that put him right in the middle of this thing? I mean, I think he enters the – I think he enters the Saban, Dabo, Meyer conversation, and he's immediately in that company right. just because he has more than one. Right. And, I mean, you 
you know, you being a Clemson guy and you played on some of those teams, like you saw how long it took for Dabo to really enter that conversation. It was probably too long, honestly. Uh, but now he is, you know, firmly seated on that shelf with those guys. It takes a little bit more for him to start getting into, all right, let's talk about him as one of the best to ever do it. But what makes you think that he's not going to? I mean, it's just that the recruiting is not slowing down. He is. He understands the NIL game. He understands the portal. You know, he's he's working every angle of college football that allows you to be successful, right. and he's working them all well. Right. And his guys love playing for him. Um, you know, we were actually McElroy and I were talking on our show today. Like, who who is going to be great going into next year? Like, start thinking about that. And I know our season's not even over, so I kind of hate doing it, but. <laughs> We usually go in and we're like, all right, Clemson, Ohio State, Bama, uh, maybe Georgia, maybe Michigan. I don't even think it's that right now. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's like a lot of these teams have real question marks. I mean, Alabama's losing their best player on defense. They're losing their two best players on offense. They don't have receiver figured out. The O-line didn't look good this year. We've seen Klubnik play, but you know, Clemson's going to lose a lot of talent and a lot of guys that played a lot of football. We, we don't know how that's going to work out. So I, I think it's going to be a little more wide open next year, yeah. and Georgia included. I mean – you know, we anytime you get a new quarterback, it doesn't just always work. Right. And you know, for Alabama, it did for a long time. For Clemson, it did for a long time. But you know, for every everybody runs into, and for Ohio State, it feels like it's worked forever. <laughs> but everybody runs into a bit of a stopgap where it's like, okay, this is not what it has been. Right. How do we account for everything else? Sure. So I just don't know if we're going to have the regular characters have the same amount of confidence that are going to be great yeah. going into next year. Yeah. I mean, there's teams like Washington that are going to be really good. You know, USC's probably not going anywhere, but are they going to be able to get any stops? Yeah. Like, you know, Oregon's going to be really good. Right. I'm, and Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State's still going to be good. Bama's still going to be good. But, I mean, is LSU going to take a step and be really good yeah. next year? Yeah. Even better than they were? I, I don't know. So, I think next year's going to be a lot of fun, yeah. to be honest with you. But I don't think I don't think Kirby and Georgia are going anywhere I don't for either. a long time. I don't either. He, he's just so impressive, man. And to, to see the – all the access that we just have now with with their own social media teams, great you know conference networks and and just the insight they give everybody. It's been really cool to see him, and we you you feel like you know him. But uh, who knows? It's going to be exciting to see. This was fun, man. It's great to have all offensive linemen join and help preview a game. I, I <laughs> appreciate your time a lot, and uh, excited for this game. Yep, it's going to be a fun one. Going to be a good one. I hate that it's over, but I think we're going to get a classic uh, to close it out. Thanks again to Cole for joining us and just thanks to you guys for nerding out together and talking O-line. It's what the world needs. The world needs more of that these days, but we do appreciate his time. We know he's very busy. And before we get out of here, Mac, we're going to make some picks on this game and we're going to give you a score. The spread as of Friday when we're recording this is Georgia minus 12 and a half. I think I would take TCU plus 12 and a half. That that I, I, I very much believe in. Now, this next pick, I don't necessarily believe in but it's what i want so i'm gonna say it i think georgia is better at almost every position if you just look talent wise i would probably take tcu's wide receivers at this point over georgia not brock bauer not the tight ends but when you look at some of the injuries i think tcu might have an edge in special teams they've got a really dynamic um returner so that's something they can look at and then you've got duggan who it's it's like duggan and stetson bennett they're just they're two great college quarterbacks which we haven't seen in this game in a long time, guys, where you know their career's probably over in college, but mm-hmm. and they, they couldn't be NFL backups. But those are the kind of college quarterbacks I really love. I thought Duggan was gonna 
um, you know, was had a near-death experience in the Kansas State game. I mean, he was literally going right. to die on the field. And that's what you want to see. I can't pick Georgia. I just won't do it. You're, and you're I like the chaos, Mac. I like the fact that we're going to see something that's going to disrupt college football. And we don't have that back-to-back. And it's not boring. And, you know, the whole world is going to be rooting for TCU. So give me the frogs. Give me the frogs. Okay. I just, I, wow. I want to go with them. I think it's going to happen. And remember, last year, everyone was picking Bama. Sure. I picked Georgia. So right. I did pick them, but I'm not wow. doing it again. I can't. How about this? So really, like, in your heart, you think TCU can win this football game? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, you, you I do think that. I do <laughs> think they can cover. In okay, my heart, I believe they that. can cover. Okay. Okay. I like that. I like that. Um. I, I like the cover too. I, I'll take them there. I, I do think Georgia's going to win the game. Um, it's just, man, I, I remember this team week one absolutely killing Oregon. And I'm just like, well, this is going to be the easiest college football right. playoff. This is going to be the easiest thing we've ever seen. Um, and then, you know, they struggled a little bit and kind of found out who they were, what they wanted to do. And something that was very interesting that I just never would have thought of. Number one, I, I don't cover that conference like that, but. Cole kind of mentioned in those games where Georgia struggled, Stetson looked bored. Stetson was like trying to do silly things that he just wasn't himself, that Cole thought he looked bored. And so when he said that, I was just like, that is. But Mac, how can you be bored in the SEC? It's such a gauntlet every Well, week. it was Kent State. It was Kent State. Well, and Missouri, right? And Missouri and Kentucky. So kind of the SEC, like new SEC people, um, at least for Missouri. They count. Um, so they count. <laughs> Only when SEC teams beat them. It doesn't count when, when our conference beats them. Um, so with that in mind, I think these guys are going to be so locked in. I think they're just going to be playing at such a high level. I, I just – Max would have to have the greatest day of his life to beat these guys. And that's hard. It's hard to do. Not teach saying it's impossible. I th- teach me how to dug. I think the, the FBI is like 70-30 right now. I think that's about right, which is crazy. Um so I'm going Georgia to win this thing as much as it okay. hurts me, but I'm praying hard. Horn Frogs get it done. <laughs> Texas and Christian community. College, I just, I mean, University. to have a team named the Frogs. Go get frogs and done. dogs. What else would you want? Frogs and dogs. It you know is really cool. Go ahead. Go ahead. It is really cool, Mac. That in a time in college football where we everyone feels like they can predict it now because it's just nil. Follow the money, whatever. To see TCU in the title game, I think that's great yeah. for the sport. First year head coach, college or a quarterback that wasn't the starter going into right. the season, like it's it's crazy. And you're right, I, I do love that. All the NIL stuff, all the transfer portal stuff, where everybody's like, "You got to do it to do this." TCU's like, "Ah, eh, not really." I mean, you just got to mm-hmm. play, you just got to win. Um, and the portal, and you got to use the portal. Little, little little portal. Um, I'm excited. I can't wait to see it. I think it's going to be tremendous. It's jacked up for this game. Biggest thing of the. Uh, the season, that's what it all leads up to, KG, and we'll, we'll see what happens. If the Horned Frogs can pull off a miracle and get this done, uh, we, we will surely see. But thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, another great episode, Gramlick and McLean. Big shout-out to Cole, uh, our Rock'em Sox guest there. Appreciate his time and coming on this podcast. We're going to get him back in the summer. He, he was tremendous. Yes. Uh, would really love to dive into his career and, and share more of his story here. Uh, but smash that subscribe button, as always, guys, over on YouTube. Go over to Apple Podcasts. Rate, review, subscribe. We would greatly appreciate that. But until next time, we'll see y'all.